Thank you for allowing me to be away on vacation. Uh, I heard that Teen Challenge was here. They sent us a nice thank you card as a church, and thank you for welcoming them and providing a meal and for the fellowship with them. So thank you, church family. Um, I must really love you um, because I left and it was 80 degrees. I came back to 20s and snow uh, and cold. I mean, it's so bad that Ernie's not even wearing his shorts this morning, which, you know... (laughs) To be back, be a pretty rare thing, um, but it was nice. Um, but you know what? It's better to be back here with you. I did miss you last week, and uh, it's good to have the fellowship of believers and to come back home to family. So, that being said, we're gonna jump into um, a little mini series over the next couple of weeks because. I, as I got back and I started looking at my calendar, I realized that, you know what, there's a big event coming up really soon. Anyone know what that is? Easter. Easter. Yeah, and it's coming up quick, right? What's that? April, not May. April, not May. Yes, Dawn and I were having, and she's been away as well, and so her calendar's off a little bit, along with jet lag and everything else, but yeah, Easter's coming. And again, that's an exciting time, and there's a lot going on, but it's also a time to celebrate, right? We, we serve a risen Christ and the resurrection. And so with that in mind, we do a little mini-series on, in the book of Matthew about Jesus. I think in, in good preparation for uh, the upcoming season. So we're going to take a look at Jesus' words and Jesus' sermon, more importantly, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Right, found in Matthew chapter 6. So uh, the guys will have the words up on the, on the board, but um, also if you have your Bible or your app, you want to follow along, that's good as well. Um, one of the, a couple of weeks ago, I've, now it's almost been a month, I was in Texas, and uh, actually we have a couple of guys here today that were with me, David and Carrie, and they can tell you about that trip if you want. But Dr. Tony Evans was the main speaker. In fact, it was his church that we were at, and he had this quote, and... This quote kind of spoke to me, and again, it's been sticking with me for almost a month now, but it says, be who you say you are, or take down the sign. Read that again. Be who you say you are, or take down the sign. And that could apply to a church, but more importantly, it can apply to us in our lives. And again, as we claim to be believers in Christ... That's our, our sign, or, point, or even as the church here at Point Way, that's our, our sign out there that says, point, or pointing the way to Jesus, right? That's our sign, but if we're not that, then we need to take it down. And again, it kind of goes hand in glove with this message in chapter 6 that Jesus is talking to a great multitude. He's talking to especially his disciples, right? Matthew is, is that first gospel found in our Bibles, Many believe that because uh, it was written around 50 A.D., um, it was the first gospel that was written. And so, historically, that's why it's in the first part of our New Testament. Right? They're pretty smart that way. They kind of try to keep it a little bit in order. And so Matthew is listed first in the gospels. It's also synoptic with Mark and Luke, and obviously we have John as well. And they all complete a, a picture But the gospel writers also have a a bent or a way that they're writing to the audience that they're writing to. And Matthew is Jewish, and Matthew writes in a Jewish perspective. And of course, when Jesus was giving this message, he was speaking to Jews, first and foremost. His disciples 
And again, when I say disciples, I'm not just talking about the 12, right? It's a broader picture at this point. There are disciples. It's, it's, it's multitudes. There's, it's well over hundreds that are he's speaking to, and there's more on the outside that are becoming disciples of Christ. It's a broader view here. It's not just the, the inner circle. And so this message speaks to all different levels. It also has a very simplistic but yet pointed message in it. It's part of Jesus' proclamation that he is the Messiah. He is the one that has come to save the world. Right? He's fulfilling prophecy, and he's talking about the upcoming kingdom. This is all part of what he is setting up here. And you say, well, wait a minute, Pastor Charlie, you're starting in chapter 6. Isn't it that in the middle of the sermon? Yes. It is in the middle of the sermon. And so I want to encourage you this week is to go back and read chapter 5 because that's the beginning. 6 is in the middle and 7 wraps it up. And we're going to get into 7 a little bit next week. But I chose chapter 6 because it kind of points to a time when Jesus is teaching them how to be. How to be his disciples. You know, and you know I, I love application. It's great to have God's word, but how do we apply it? How do we live it out? Um, I need to be reminded of that constantly. And for lack of a better term, does my, what I believe, play out in how I live my life, right? Does my walk match my talk? And so this passage speaks to that, because that's not always the case, and not everyone does that. So that's a little bit of the background, that's a little bit of the, the history to get us into. Let's get into the text this morning a little bit. It says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Right? So he's talking about rewards here, right? And again, it's not the, we don't want just the, the reward from mankind or from humans or from those around us, but we want the reward to come from our Heavenly Father. The motivation, right? The purpose, you want to use that term, right? And so he's, it's a warning here to us that our motivation matters to him and how we do it and who we do it for are important. We had a, an, an older gentleman who was our teacher, dear, dear saint. He's gone on to be with the Lord now, uh, Dr. Stanley Toussaint, and he used to slam the pulpit when he got to that part, right? Do you want your reward now? And he would pound it. I, I can't do that here with the music stand. It wouldn't work. It wouldn't have the same effect. I'd be like Ryan. I'd be breaking something. <laughs> Ryan's going to kill me. Good thing he loves me. But no, but it, it's, do you want your reward now or do you want it in heaven? Right? Because if we get it now, it's limited. Right? It's short-lived. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't carry much weight. But our Heavenly Father's reward is so much greater, so much better. And it goes so much beyond what we can see here today. And again, it's not our only reason for doing it, but it, it is a motivator, and it can help us to remember who we're serving, right? Because sometimes, if, have you ever done something and expecting to get praised? Maybe you're at work, and you, you kind of go the extra mile, and you do something special, and nobody notices? Just another day? Or even worse, right? Sometimes they just criticize it. Ouch, that hurts, right? It's like, why did I do that? Why did I bother? Right? My motivation's wrong. I'm doing it for the wrong person or for the wrong reason. And so that's what Jesus is teaching as he's going through that. And you're going to see this example after example. 
even some good things. So verse 2 goes on and says, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. Boom. And, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. All right? So, again, we're certainly called a good thing. Even a good thing is helping out those who are in need. Again, we're certainly called to do that. Believers are called. They were called in that day. And they were even doing it in the synagogues, right? The, that was a standard practice. That was part of their, their faith, part of what they were supposed to do. And again, that's something we should do. But if you want to put it in today's word, they were too busy blowing their own horn, right? They would literally have trumpets going off, right? Horns announcing, hey, here's what we're giving to the poor today. Or the amount, Right? Again, probably you all just had a flash in your mind of someone that you know that's, that's, that's done that, or they let you know everything they've done, right? Or every amount, right down to the dollar, right down to the penny. I often even sometimes cringe when I see those big checks, you know, those ones that are about six feet long and four feet deep, and people are standing there, right? And it's announcing, and again, that's done for to recognize someone, but there's a danger in that as well, right? It can become... Prideful. It can become, hey, look what I've done, right? And all of a sudden, it's all about me, and it's not about the people that I'm caring for, and it's certainly not about the Lord. So it's a great warning here for us all. And again, we can all fall into that trap. You know, I often reminded too, right? We, we all like to be praised. Right? We all like to be encouraged, right? Right? Oh, Sorry, there's a lot of guests here this morning. Maybe you don't know. When I ask questions, they're not rhetorical. I'm not very good at that. So you have to answer back. Otherwise, I'm not sure. I'll just get hung up and stop. Thanks, Jeff. I hear that from the back. Jeff, I can only look at count on it. That's good. I miss you guys. I really do. Thanks. <coughs> But, um, <laughs> but that announcing, right, that, that, that giving, that praise, we, we like it, but we got to be careful that we don't seek it, and it becomes our, our motivation. And interesting, he even uses the phrase, even to the point where we don't know our left hand from our right hand, what, what, we don't have to know what each other is doing or what each other is giving, Right? Again, it's not that they don't know their left and their right hand, but it's, again, it's just, it just becomes naturally part of them because their motivation is pure, it's right, it's doing exactly what God is calling them to do. So again, great, great teaching, great warning. And then he goes even to another area. This is a, a, a dangerous one, right? Prayer, right? How can prayer be bad? Right? How could prayer be bad, right? Verse 5, it's what? Sometimes you can even mess that up. Sometimes I can mess that up. Verse 5, it says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. I can do that. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. 
Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. All right, so... Again, there's a lot here in this teaching, and I'm just doing a flyover this morning, so by all means, please go back and look at this. But he's cautioning them on prayer, right? There was a, a, a thing of the time, and it, it's amazing, it kind of, things kind of keep coming back. History does repeat itself, but there was a thought that the longer you prayed and the, the, the more words you used, the better. I don't know about you, but the more words I use, the usually the more I get in trouble, so I limit that. Wow, you guys are pretty quick on that one. You, you jumped all over that one. That's true, right? And so, again, but they would pray more in the open, right? They would pray to be seen. And it's one of those, those, those things that, um, yes, it's good to pray openly and corporately, and we do that here. We, you know, we have a prayer focus for that. We pray for our missionaries. Our worship team prays. We close in prayer. We do a lot of prayer here, but it's not for the purpose of for ourselves, but it should be for the purpose of God and lining ourselves up. And, and so the warning goes, if you have to, if you, you can't control yourself in public prayer, then go to your room, right? The, the prayer closet, right? We, we've heard that that term, right? That phrase is something that's come popular again, right? Go into our prayer room. I think war room brought, again, there's a lot to, to many, right? To, to go in secret, to pray. And again, there's a lot that could be said on prayer, and um, people get hung up on various aspects of prayer, right? What to say, what words to say, what position, right? Hands up, down, kneeling, hands folded. You can get all bound up with that, but that's not what God's requiring. God just wants us to communicate with him. <clears throat> Joe, you said it beautifully this morning, right? He just wants to hear from us. He wants to hear from us, our kids, from his kids. And whether it's short or longer, whether it's needy, whether it's well put together or not, God knows our heart. Amen. And that's what he's, he's saying here. He says, I already know what you're asking for. I know what you need, but I want to hear from you. And so prayer is important. Don't, don't get me wrong here. But let's not get hung up on the procedure or who we're doing it for or to show, right? I often joke with pastors because it's one of the things, for some reason, whenever we go anywhere, uh, in any event or any meal, pastor always gets to pray, for the most part, right? Everyone always wants a pastor to pray. And, uh, and again, I don't mind doing that, but in some ways, it's great to hear from other people, right? It doesn't have to be... My prayers. My prayers are no more special than anyone else's. And so it's interesting when you, you see those um, situations. In fact, he likens it to even like the pagans, right? Even the, the pagans who prayed to the false gods, they would ramble on and on and on for show. And again, I think it goes with this section. It's still talking about that being hypocritical, right? The contrast. Be who you say you are or take down the sign. Again, it's part of that quote, kind of follows that theme. This next section is a prayer I'm sure many of you know, and uh, different versions say it a little bit differently, but again, the Lord's Prayer, right? Verse 9. He says, This is how you should pray, right? He gives us that example. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I could um, expound on that. There's, there's whole studies on the Lord's Prayer. In fact, our men's group a couple of weeks ago or a month ago probably did a whole study on the Lord's Prayer. And there, there's a lot there and there's more than we could do this morning. But again, God gave us that as an example. And sometimes if you're struggling on how to pray, that's certainly not a bad prayer. But if that's the only prayer you do, then that's not right either, right? If we only just pray the Lord's Prayer, in fact, I really had to work through that just to read it because I'm kind of old and I grew up with the King James Version. I always want to slide back into the King James because that's, again, that's how we recite it. That's how we learned it. Again, it's not bad to pray that prayer, but be careful that it doesn't become just part of our language or part of a ritual. <clears throat> it's not what the Father's looking for. It's not what he wants to hear from his kids. We can ask for so much more, and we can complain, cry out to him, ask us how we can put up with those kids that are screaming so we don't throw them through the wall, or a cat. <laughs> or a dog, yeah. Ouch, man, that one... I have a dog, that's why she said that, and sometimes I'd like to throw it through the wall, yes. Anyways, before I get in trouble and I need to ask for forgiveness, verse 14 starts talking about forgiveness. At the end of that, that prayer, forgiveness, it says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others for their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Again, I want to park here a little bit because this is one that kind of drills down a little bit, right? Forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of those, probably can be one of the toughest things that we as believers have to do. It's not easy. I fully admit, disclaimer, it's not easy to do. But again, just as Tony Evans pointed out, if we say who we are and we're not, then take down the sign, Right? As believers, we need to be quick to forgive and to forgive fully. <clears throat> Again, I could do another whole message on forgiveness, but if we take these words to heart and we really look at it, look at it again. It says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. Right? We all want to be forgiven. Right? We all want that when, when we mess up, we want to be forgiven quickly. We, 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 we want the, the punishment, we want the, 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 the lowness that we feel, the humbleness, we want, it, we want it to be done really quick. Same thing with our relationships, right? We, we don't want it to linger, but also the motivating is, what about our Heavenly Father, right? We want, we want Him to forgive us. Thank goodness He does that. Again, that way of forgiveness is through salvation, and we can appreciate that, and sometimes we take it for granted. And then the negative is, if we do not forgive others, then our Father does not forgive us of our sins, right? There's a, there's a, a clause in there. It's a, it's a requirement. It's not an option as believers not to forgive, Unforgiveness, it really has lots of roots. It has lots of, creates lots of problems in our lives, right? We can become bitter. We can, our relationships are not restored. 
By the way, there was something running around on Facebook this week. It was uh, things that are not in the Bible, right? But people quote as if they are, right? And one of those is forgive and forget, right? right? Do we, we forget when someone really hurts us or when someone sins against us? Let's be honest. No, we don't, right? And if it's a deep hurt, we, we don't. We, we're damaged, right? It, takes, it seems so. it takes a lot for us to forgive those things. Again, we, we don't forget them, but we choose not to hold them against that person no longer. It's a difference. It just becomes a fact, right? But a relationship is the same. We, we, we've forgiven them, and we love them, and we want to continue on in that. There's a lot that could be worked around that. Um, but for sake of time this morning, I'm not going to. That's another message. But again, drill down on that a little bit this week uh, in your own studies. Verse 16, again, he's running through these lists of things that they do, but they're not doing correctly or they're the temptation not to do correctly. So verse 16 says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, you have, re- you have received your reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others and that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And that, the word secret there is kind of a little misleading, but whatever is done in private, right? You, you're doing it between you and the Lord. It's a, it's a heart thing, right? Fasting is one of those things that we don't generally practice as much today, but again, in the Jewish culture, that was normal for them. That was part of their, their ritual, part of their, their everyday life in church. They would fast over certain times, certain periods, certain festivals required fasting. And again, not fasting for to lose weight. Again, wrong motivation. <laughs> Why are you guys laughing? No. No. But fasting as to give up that time to concentrate on the Lord, to focus, to help narrow in, to use that time. And again, it's not bad to fast. It's something that sometimes we, we can use for making big decisions or for a period of time we're struggling or we're, we're looking at changing direction and we need some, some wisdom. And so taking a meal or a day or however long, you three days, and taking that time to give up those meals to focus in on prayer and talking to God and hearing from Him it's not a bad thing. But said, again, here, customarily, they, they got it wrong a little bit, right? They, they went off a little bit. They would put dust over their face. They would dress and drab, and they would walk around, and, oh, woe is me. I'm fasting. I'm fasting for the Lord, right? Again, it was all for show. The motivation was wrong. Just like in the giving, just like in the forgiveness, just like in the prayers, you can get, do something right, but do it wrong. If you do it for the wrong motivation. It's not true to who you are serving. Verse 19. Again, all of these you could spend a little more time in. I'm just running through the, the, the tops of the mountains this morning. Verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin can destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All right, again, another teaching here. No, nothing wrong with, with, with 
storing up things or savings, right? You know, a lot of times we, we like to save up for something where we have a, a goal in mind. There's nothing wrong in that in, in some ways, but if that becomes our trust and that becomes our hope, then we've done it for the wrong reason. And again, that's not going to last. Not to get political this morning, but inflation. Uh, we, we're seeing that now, right? Our, our dollar's not as worth as much as it was even a year ago. It's getting chewed up. It does, it's not, doesn't hold its value. On a larger scale, it's the same thing here, right? It can store up things, but it can be stolen. It can be rotted away. It can, things that are out of our control can take it away. But our motivation for doing it has to be in line with God. And so money is one of those areas that we can struggle in, or our time is one of those things that we can struggle in. Does it match, right? Does it match us as believers? Are we doing it for the right reason? Verse 22 furthers that a little bit more, identifies it. says, verse 22 says, The eye is the lamp of the, the body. If your eyes are, are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy your whole body will be full of darkness. No one can serve two masters. Within you is darkness. How great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Again, Jesus had a lot to say about finances and how we use them and, and the value that we put on them, I think is probably a better way of looking at it, Right? Is that where our trust is? Is that where our security is versus God? Again, it's not money itself is inert. It's no, it's no different than the floor here, it's, but it's the value we put on it. And so where our heart is, that's where our love is, and that's where our devotion is, and that's who we are serving. And Jesus makes it very clear here, right? We can't serve both. I can't idolize money and serve God at the same time. It's not possible. It's contradictory. It's a hypocrite. I might as well take down the sign. Okay, I'm going to jump in a little bit more. We're going a little bit deeper, and I'm kind of feel like I'm I'm stepping on toes a little bit as I'm going through this. But again, I'm holding the mirror up because these are all areas that certainly we can all struggle in from time to time. But here's the next one: is on worry, right, or being anxious, or Concern. We like to use other Christian words to kind of help soften the blow, but at the end of the day, worry is worry, right? Right? And we do. We fall into that trap of worry. And so Jesus knows that about us, and so he teaches us. It says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What will you eat or drink? Or about your body? What you will wear? Is life not more than food, and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or sow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they, they not much more valuable? Are you, oh, sorry, there we go, not they, us, right? We are, we're more valuable than those. It says, are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any one of you worry, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? I love the question there, right? In fact, I would, I would make the case that, that worrying not only doesn't add anything to your life, it, it takes away. 
Right? Simple, simple statement, but it's so true, right? Worrying burns up energy, it takes up time, it consumes us, it, it, it just lifts our blood pressure, right? It does a lot of things. It upsets our appetite. It does so many things. We're all the time and, and in that constant state. I would propose that it most likely shortens our lives, not adds to it. And again, those are certainly good things, right? Food, drink, water, clothes, we need those things. But out of proportion, if we start worrying about that, that becomes our only focus, then we've missed the point. Our motivation's wrong. And again, as a believer, we need to be careful how we live that out or take down the sign. Verse 28 goes on with the same thought here. I just want to stop because that verse 27 always is a reminder to us. But verse 28 continues on with the same thing about worry because, again, God knows that it's a big issue in our lives. He says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow and thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear, For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Right? So he's telling us, don't chase after those things. Don't be like the world. Don't be be our focus. Right? He already knows. He knows we need food. He knows we need clothes. He knows we need shelter. He knows that we need these things. But that's not the goal. That's not the idol. Right? It's the wrong focus. And then verse 33 here, he wraps up this whole section, and really this, this part of the, the message is within the message, and why I started with chapter 6 as well, because it, it helps us focus our, our things here. But he says, but, and but means can't up to that point, right? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well, Right? That's a huge sentence. That's a, that's a, a one you want to mark down. You want to kind of remind yourself, right? And, and don't mix up the order, right? I think this order is, is purposeful here, right? Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, God's righteousness. Not our own righteousness. We're going to fall short, right? But his righteousness. And then, and then all these things will be given to you as well. See the motivation? See the, the, the message here he's been trying to say is, right, focus on Jesus. Focus on him first. The rest will fall in line. The motivation for what we do, the motivation for what we live is all about Jesus. And then he just sums up this section, verse 34. It says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I'm going to stop right there this morning, but never a truer statement, right? right? That worrying about tomorrow, worrying about the future, 
There's so many unknowns, right? You can't predict. We don't, we don't know what's going to happen. And it could come from any direction, right? So let's focus on the moment, right? Focus on who we are in Christ, who's in control, who's most important, right? Because each day has more than enough trouble of its own. I love that. That would make a, a good bumper sticker and a good reminder for us if you want to give that as a takeaway as well. And so Jesus has been talking about our motivation and how we live, and again, even those good things. And this morning, as we um, wrap up this time this morning, we've come here today to worship Jesus. And he's given us some warnings, right? Some of those areas that could be troublesome for us, whether it be worry, whether it be finances, right? How we pray, who we pray, how long, and, and those things are, are what, you know, what do we do for show? Taking care of the needs, right? The needs of those around us, you know, our motivation for that. How do we do that? And how do we pray, right? Do we pray to the Father in humbleness or do we pray it for those around us? So it's a lot to think about this morning, a lot to, to, to kind of grapple with. And hopefully one of those areas you can pull away from struggling with that, I need help in that area. Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe you're struggling with that this morning. I'm not sure, but God does. And God is the answer to that. And so I just want to leave you with that quote. It's kind of been our theme as we've been going through that. But be who you say you are. Or take down the sign. Bow with me, please. Oh, Grace Heavenly Father, just help us in that. Help us in that endeavor, Lord. As your word speaks to us, as your word convicts us, as your word encourages us, Lord, that we be who we're called to be. Lord, that we put you first in everything that we do. Lord, may you be the motivation in our hearts, in our actions, and in our lives. And Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you, Lord, that today would be the day of their salvation that they would trust you with their lives. Lord, I just thank you for each and every person that's here today. I thank you for those who are serving, those who are here that are in our midst, Lord, that, Lord, that you would just bless each and every one of us, continue to strengthen us, and help us to be the children of God that you called us to be. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.